0: Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. Some of you may know, many of you may not, that a certain man in our midst now deserves to be called doctor. I want to congratulate Kelly. Now, though he deserves it, I don't suggest you do it. It might go to his head, so just keep it on the down low. Um, I've, I've been part of the academic journey, nowhere near as far as Kelly has. And for any of you who have done any sort of paper writing, uh, Kelly's sprint to finish this paper was the last year and a half. Okay. <laughs> uh, lots of work there and really appreciate it, Kelly. And, uh, I mean, it's, I think it's rich I've had the privilege of having some conversations with him. It, it's rich more than just his life. I think, I think it's rich our church's, uh, theology. You may not see it, um, but it's there. So take my word for it. Um, perspective is everything. If you don't believe me, uh, ask my mom about the China cabinet my brother didn't break. (laughs) Perspective is everything. How we see is as important, sometimes even more important than what we see. In grade four, uh, (laughs) my teacher, Madame Glass, had asked some question. That question has long escaped my memory. But I knew the answer, and I put up my hand, and she called on me. I mean, awesome moment in a student's life, right? Less awesome moment in a student's life is when you open your mouth, and all that comes out is a huge belch. (laughs) On my way to the uh, principal's office, I continued to plead my case that it was not what I meant to do. It was an accident. Uh, She would have none of it, but perspective is everything. Uh, You might remember in the early 90s, mid-90s maybe, uh, kind of the the rage that was 3D pictures. Um, It was these kind of impressionistic, weird, just looks like a whole bunch of blotches of paint, but if you look at it just right, you get this shark that's like jumping out and about to eat you. Or you see these beautiful majestic scenes of dinosaurs and foliage and trees, and you can actually like look around the scene and and it it just pops out at you. But you got to look at it just right. Or you don't see the picture and it just remains kind of this blob of paint. Perspective is everything. I had a professor who told me about a trip he made to Toronto. And, uh, he wanted to, of course, see the CN Tower. And he was wandering around and couldn't for the life of him find it. And so he asked some locals, or what looked like locals anyway, uh, can you tell me where the CN Tower is? And they kind of looked at him really funny, right on the verge of laughing, with that kind of eyebrow raised. Are you serious? And the reason that they didn't give him a straight answer is because he just happened to be standing in front of a building that was just high enough that he couldn't see over it to see the massive CN Tower right behind him. Perspective is everything. For me lately, a major source of my theological reflection and learning about God is parenting my children. Uh, Sometimes I'm far more patient and understanding than at other times. This really comes to a fore at bedtime. Your parents may or may not be familiar with this particular routine. End of the day, uh, you've put in a long day at work. You put in a long day of cooking, uh, you know, supper and cleaning up supper and entertaining the kids. And what you want most is for them to just go to bed peacefully. But of course, they don't because they're children and they know all your buttons better than you do. And so they start pushing them. And on the inside, you have this grrr for the lower. Okay. Um, and sometimes that grrr for me comes out. And my children bear the brunt of that. And other days, the rrrrr uh, stays on the inside. But I've noticed lately, the more that I pray about it, and the more time that I spent reflecting on who do I really want my children to be and to grow into, and the more I pay attention to the Holy Spirit in the midst of my life, the less there's even a uh, on the inside. And I actually found myself drawn into the play that is my children's world from the time they get up till the time they go to bed. Perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. God's word for us today is about seeing from a new perspective. More specifically, it's about surveying Canaan, the promised land. And I invite you into that story in Numbers 13 if you want to turn there. Um, Here's the gist of the story I'd like to share with you this morning. There's a leader from each tribe that's selected to go explore the land at God's command. You have Shamwa, Shaphat. Caleb, Egal, Hosea, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Sethur, Nabi, and Guel. Uh, Real popular names. And all these guys are selected because they're leaders in their tribes. They're the folks that, that judge. They're the folks that know the way forward. They're the folks that people look to because they're wise. They're the leaders in their tribes, and they're selected to go check out this land. Quite frankly, this is a totally natural move for a tribal people that is just two years out of slavery, just newly organized into tribes and camps with laws and marching orders, about to attack and subdue what God had promised was theirs. It's totally natural. Let's go check out the land first. Before we launch an all-out attack, let's see what we're up against. So take a look at some of the things that Moses wants to know. Chapter 13, picking up in verse 18. See what the land is like. And whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for ripe grapes. Good kind of questions to ask. Let's size up the enemy. Let's size up this promised land. Let's see if it actually is as good as it sounds like it is from God's perspective and so they survey the whole land and some of the details in the verses that follow don't make a whole lot of sense to us but here's what we need to know they emphasize the totality of the surveying of this land they go from top to bottom from side to side and they spend 40 days it's a very complete round number they spend 40 days in the land exploring and finding out about it i say that's a fairly thorough survey and checking out of the land wouldn't you And so they find out a whole bunch of things. What do they see? They see a wide land, a spacious land. They see a very fertile land, big, big grapes. Did you notice how many people it took to carry it? There's two men with the grapes strung between them on a pole. Those are some big grapes. This is a good land. It is fertile. It's going to produce crops that they can eat and eat and eat, and it's probably still going to spoil before they get to the end of it. This is a good land. So quite frankly, it's a little shocking when we hear their report when they get back to Moses. Sure, they can't deny the purple elephant in the room. That's my metaphor for the really big cluster of grapes. Did I mention they were huge? But they follow this goodness with a but... And we all know that a but effectively wipes out everything you've just said. But, the spies say, there are scary people there. Uh, giants. Six foot tall giants in giant cities. Giant fortified cities. Yeah, yeah. And, and they've got walls of wood five feet high and covered with pointy sticks all around. And they're guarded by these seven foot tall giants with big, big sticks. They covered around, or they march around the ramparts on top. They're 12-foot-high stone walls. And and when these 10-foot-tall giants spit, it's like this four-gallon bucket of just slimy grossness that splashes on our faces. (laughs) At the bottom of this 20-foot-high, 10-foot-thick stone castle wall, it's completely impenetrable. And the walls were covered with razor wire. We don't even know what that is yet, but it's covered with it. And these 12-foot-tall giants carry around these massive 100-pound clubs. But, the spies continue, that's not all. The land devours its inhabitants, who themselves are cannibals, giant 20-foot-tall cannibals that could have swallowed us in one bite. Maybe we shouldn't go. And the people, of course, the people of Israel, swallowed this fear... uh, bait, hook, line, and sinker. Their vision was now fear-colored. They couldn't see the grapes. They couldn't see the promise. They couldn't see the promiser. Their best option? Let's go back to the bricks and straw and backbreaking slavery of Egypt. But, as we can clearly see, Perspective is everything. The fear appeared to have swayed the popular vote and won the day, but theirs is not the only perspective. There were 12, not 10, spies who surveyed the land. Of the 12 spies, two had a radically different perspective. Caleb, in Numbers 13 and verse 30, says this, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can surely do it. I guess a good perspective in hindsight. Joshua and Caleb in chapter 14 and verses 7 through 9, if you want to follow along, have a little bit more uh, lengthy rebuttal to the people who are saying, let's go back to Egypt. The land we passed through is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the lord sinfulness throughout the wilderness wanderings has little to do with the moral code and everything to do with rebellion against god and in this story i'm not going to talk a whole lot about the very end but in this story we see it twice in two very clear places god says go take the land they're like i don't think so and so god says well you're going to wander for a long time in the desert then and then they say oh well that doesn't sound so good we'll go take the land and god says don't do it it's not going to happen now And they go anyway. And both times they rebel against the Lord. It goes very, very poorly for them. Uh, Back to Joshua and Caleb. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, he says, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. What a radically different perspective. They'd marched through the same land, carried the same cluster of grapes, seen the same good fertility. They'd seen the same cities and the same giants. They'd been in the same place, but they have a radically different perspective. Why? On the one hand, they kind of did see the same thing that everybody else saw. The grapes, the land, the giants, the cities. But on the other hand, they totally saw something different. And they didn't let the latter, the fortified cities and the giants, overshadow the former, the goodness of the land that God was about to give them. And most importantly, they didn't let the fear overshadow the one who called them to go into the land. Caleb and Joshua looked past the grapes, they looked past the giants, they looked to God. They saw God who had liberated the nation from slavery decimating and crashing waves, the powerhouse that was the Egyptian army. They saw God who had provided food and water and shelter for over two years in the desert. We're two years into this journey at this point. They saw that. They saw God who had for 40 days... I don't know why the other ten missed this, but they saw that for 40 days God had protected a small roving band of 12 men in the heart of enemy territory, and they walk out unscathed and take some produce with them. That to me is pretty remarkable. This is what Joshua and Caleb saw. Joshua and Caleb and all the other Israelites, quite frankly, saw the cloud when it came down and said, it's time to stop here. And they saw the cloud when it lifted from the middle of the camp and said it's time to start marching. And they started wandering until the cloud came back. Everybody saw that. But only two in this story really saw God. You see, the failure of the ten spies wasn't the recognition of obstacles and difficulties. The failure of the spies was their inability to see them in their true perspective. That's the difference. Just as important, we need to see Caleb and Joshua's optimism not as an ignorant or unseeing optimism. Their success was their trust in God to overcome all those obstacles. Perspective is everything. And today we too need a new perspective on the fruit and the fortifications of the promised land. A trusting wholeheartedly in God kind of perspective. If we are to respond faithfully to God's call to bless the world today, we must respond differently than Israel did in the wilderness. If we survey the land around us and ask the same kind of questions that Moses did, what do we see? Well, we find fruit. We find some good things around us. We have freedom of speech and religion. We have a pretty good level, I'd say, of wealth and comfort. We have peace in our land. I would say those are pretty good things. But we also find some giants lurking in their midst a scientific perspective claiming to have conquered God and the masses seem to be believing it. There's poverty amidst all this wealth and some deep injustices that go along with that. There's deep loneliness, deep, deep loneliness amid our cities. Our response all of this depends entirely on our perspective. And we need to know that we're not the first to reread this story of Israel standing on the edge of the promised land, going and surveying, about to take what God has promised them. Israel, seven, several hundred years after this particular story, after the monarchy, after all their infighting and the divisions, after their disobedience and their turning away from God, they're in Babylon, they're exiled. Israel, who reads this story, they're in exile. They're away from the land, again, that God has promised them. And they, too, are longing for a new exodus. They're longing for a new freedom, from a new slavery. But neither is their exodus really easy to see. There's another wilderness that has to be crossed. The idea of returning to Palestine probably left many Jews perplexed. On the one hand, they longed for the homeland... But on the other hand, they feared the pain of their return. An arduous journey. A farewell to Babylon. We've got to remember, sorry, some of the journey stuff. They're, they're not talking about, let's hop in my air-conditioned car and march across this desert. They're not saying, let me catch the next flight, and if I don't get that one, I'll get the next one, and uh, I might be a little bit late. We're talking people living in tents that have to pack up their dwelling every day, take enough food for the journey, or have the skills to forage it along the way. A long, arduous kind of journey from the exile back to the promised land. Uh, they have to say goodbye to the Babylonia that for decades, had been their abode. Je- generations have grown up in Babylonia have known nothing else there 's an uncertain future in front of them in what had become a Persian province. an uneasy reception maybe at the hands of fellow citizens that were less be- left behind and less than friendly strangers. The Israelites in Babylonian exile read and reread this story of Moses, the spies of Israel, of Joshua, and of Caleb. They reread the rejection of God by the people. And of the people by God. They saw the sentence of disobedience. There's 10 dead spies before our story is out. Struck down by God. There's a generation that's forced to wander the wilderness for 40 years. Children growing up knowing they will watch their parents die before they come to the land that they will raise their children in. The old Israel said, God brought us out here to die. We can't defeat the giants, give us a new captain, take us back into slavery, take us back into Egypt. And so for the new Israel, the question is this. Will the Israel of the new age meet the challenge of faith more convincingly than the Israel of old? God has given us the best news in the history of the entire world. Grace. God has given us the best task in the history of the entire world. Bless the world with that good news of grace. And most importantly, God has given us the best resource in the history of the world, God himself. It's not a question of can we do it. Of course we can't. Of course we can't. But God can. You see, perspective is everything.